Absolutely fantastic. I watch every single thing that he does. And he also is a friend of mine. And we've worked together before. But this is his first time visiting the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand up where you're at in your clothes. Even if you're <laughs> naked. Get up from the bathtub and give a hearty welcome to Kenny Johnson. What up? BD Freeman and Roro. Thank Ooh. you. What was that? What was that? You know, that was the longest intro in the world. <laughs> it took a while, but Al Pacino, it. the only thing we have in common is our age is about the same. <laughs> nah, yeah, man. Every you're single so kind, thing man. I see you always say that, but it's like every single thing I see you in. I mean, it's a brand new creation. It's a brand new character. Your eyes change because I'm watching behind my eyes that this person's thinking, but they're not thinking with the last guy, you know, which taught me a lot. So when I'm acting into in something, I'm always going back through the method process that I was taught and really, but, but I, ne I never really got to see somebody uh, do it and, and really see it behind their eyes as well as you do now i'm talking way too much so i'm going to start because they don't want to hear me they want to hear from you now you are from new haven connecticut yeah yeah born yeah. raised i want to know what that was like because I, I i played new connecticut before have you played uh, man, uh yes i've had both great gigs in connecticut <laughs> and ones that i'm like okay I always do okay. I always do okay in Connecticut, but but I never can get the people. I don't really get the people. And so I want to know what it's like. What was it like growing up there? Uh, well, I was there. I was in Guilford, Connecticut and Lake Quantapog till third grade. And then we moved at the beginning of third grade to uh, Vermont, Mount Escutney, which is like 20 minutes south of Dartmouth College, but on the Vermont side of the Connecticut River. So most of my time was basically in nature on a 40 acre farm. Oh, wow. And uh, it was a lot of uh, quiet time, a lot of nature, a lot of, you know, imagination, a lot of taking care of our animals that my dad bought when he came from Connecticut up there and bought all these cattle and, you know, horses and goats. And uh, we had a raccoon, we had dogs, cats. And then he says, okay, you're in charge of taking care of them. Wow. I'm like, First, you move me away from Connecticut. Now, like I'm in Vermont, I don't know anybody. I'm in the middle of third grade, and I've got a ton of chores to do in in learning how to be like a, you know, that that yeah, that was that, that was my life. Yeah, like a, like a farm kid or whatever. Like a nat I was in nature the whole time, so that was a big part of my life. That was weird. I have all my uh, relatives are back in Connecticut, like Wallingford. Um, God, Meriden, Yalestown, New Haven, um, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just a bunch of places all up and down Mystic, like up and down the coast. So they're really kind of cool. Connecticut people are just different. I mean, I, I really don't have a definition for them because I don't even know. It is a place. Yeah. Even when I was in Vermont, they call Connecticut people flatlanders and they didn't really like flatlanders <laughs> in Vermont. You know, they're very territorial. And so, um, you know. Ver it's hard to put a yeah i have no definition for connecticut except for you know the coast is kind of really cool it's next to rhode island it borders massachusetts and new york and that's connecticut man yeah <laughs> so when you so when you were there growing up were you all by yourself or were there uh, other kids in the neighborhood or, or in your family i had like one friend allison you're talking about in connecticut your your whole time when you were growing up on the big piece of land with the animal oh yeah no my closest neighbor was like maybe a mile and a half away 
So my closest Jesus. friend was a long ways away and, and my mom didn't really bring me over there. So, you know, most of my time was me, my two sisters, and then 40 acres of, you know, woods on the mountain. So that was it, you know, and, you know, and I, I, I would have some friends in school and I was a little bit of a, uh, I think when you come from another place, for some reason, it takes a while for them to accept you, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, before you know it, you're through grade school and you're going into high school. And we had, our closest high school was 20 miles away. So I had Jeez. to pick one of three and I picked one. And so then when you go there, they had grown up since they were in kindergarten all the way through. Mm. So they definitely didn't like me. They called me, what they call me? I was from the boondocks, you know, because mm. I was from the woods and they didn't like people from the woods. They were, you know, a town of... Mm, you know, maybe 30,000 people or something like that, or maybe less than that, but they definitely, uh, it was weird. So I didn't have a lot of friends for a while through high school, you know, and, mm. you know, I grew up severely dyslexic and I had major OCD. And so I think between a mixture of all that stuff and, and, you know, like, you know, whatever home life was, I was very introverted and definitely mm -hmm. people looked at me as weird. And I was even telling my daughter, my wife today about, how I think I had so much going on in my in my head, my eyes are always half shut and I have one lazy eye. So everyone used to, you know, like call me drone or duh, druggy, what are you doing? Duh, you're so fucking stupid, you know, like that. I'd be like going like, what, well, you know, like I just ignore it, but it, it, I was in my head a lot and I just got a lot of stuff back from people. And so people want to pick fights with me all the time. Mm. Teachers thought I was, you know, whatever, but it was, it was, it was, it was, it was what it was. And you, you know, survive through high school and then figure out what you're going to do. And I, I played sports. And so that was my escape for me is nature, God and sports. And, um, you know, and I was pretty good at sports and, you know, made all state and a couple different things and got a scholarship to go back to Connecticut, central Connecticut and play. Yeah, baseball, you went to central Connecticut Baseball College. and football there. Yeah. I went on a football scholarship, but I, I could throw like 91 miles per hour. So, um, you know, we won state championships when I was in Vermont. So then I just got, you know, anyways, yeah, I played there too. So You're like, I'm getting back to Connecticut. I guess, you know, it was either for some reason I picked, and it was funny because I was telling this guy, Oz Scott, who's directing us on some episode coming up um, this week, um, Moorhead um, is where I, I applied to Moorhead um, and some other thing way down south and then central. Those are the only three that I applied to, but the only one who accepted me and gave me a scholarship was central. So I thought... Well, it's in further enough. It's away from my parents, but not too far mm -hmm. and not too close. It's, you know, they're in Vermont. I'm in Connecticut and, uh, you know, familiar with Connecticut, I guess. So I went back and that was when I started playing ball and trying to figure life out, you know? Let me ask you this. Now, I, I'm not going <laughs> since I, since we know each other pretty well, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to put your life on blast like I want to, you, can do anything you know, you want, because right? cool. because it's uh -oh. all so great. I'll come no, 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 but oh, okay, okay. okay. Oh, here's the question. Here's the question. I want to. I want to go back to. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to that land, because the one thing about you that, uh, and I think this is the reason why we, you and I, have been so loyal to each other. You know, uh, we always check on each other, see what, what's going on. You yeah. know, all of that stuff. Um, 
I think that's also partially because you and I are both on the spectrum yeah. and we kind of know like what everything feels like. And we just check in on each other, but the you land. You feel like one of my cousins. I always told you that you feel yeah, an energy with my cousin. Yeah, you did. The first time we met, you I told go, me You that. remind me so much of my cousins. I'm like, you know, I already love you. I don't know you, but your energy. You said was that. Still... Yeah, it was the first day. We yeah, met. yeah, 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 yeah. You just have this infectious like energy that's. Oh, is the producer telling me something? No, I'm kidding. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you messed up my show up for Ken. <laughs> okay. All right. No, but anyway. Uh, Am I messing it up? No. God. I cannot understand what he does then. He'll he'll do something and he'll say it to me in a way that he knows is going to make me feel bad. No, because I get, I, I get insecure. I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm no, like, no. You are like, okay. it's like a, 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 you're everything. So the land. The, the land. land. Thank you. It's pretty bad. You know, you're, you're a terrible ADD head <laughs> when your guest and has I'm to OCD get you, bring, and, you know, has to bring you back to, at us like, to your own ear. question. Bro, it's like, this is uh, I feel like it's a tennis match. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm, right, I'm the worst, I'm the worst guy. But here's the, here's the question as my producer goes over there threatening me with a baseball bat. Um, when you were, you talked about imagination, uh, you talked about being on that land. Now, yeah. the thing that, uh, that is you so much and that I both, I love and worry a little bit about is that you are really, I mean, you're a very private person. You, 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 you're kind to everybody you meet. You give everybody a, a few seconds. You're so great with everyone, but you don't let people in. And when you let me in, I mean, you barely even knew me, but you said, you know, you, you're good folks, gave me your number, said you can count on me. And I was, you, you know, you hear that kind of thing all the time, but you actually did. You actually have been all this time. You've always been there for me. But I want to know, did your imagination spark on that land because you had everything there. You had the trees, you had the grass, you had the hills. Yeah, everything is right there. Uh, is that where maybe the acting kind of, maybe even unbeknownst to you? Yeah. I really I really should shut up now. I'm asking no. too long a question. No, I mean, like, if you go back and not to be too, uh, I'm not going into too many things, but you know, when I was in Connecticut and I was five years old, I had something happen with my best friend, Allison, and thing happened with you, you call it a cult and so that messed it. me up for a long time. And then, you know, I had a big dad, like, you know, six, four two eighty, whatever that was, you know, purely, you know, mm -hmm. just didn't like me, you know? So I think between those things um the ocd kicked in and repetition of um i don't know i i i i find them maybe they were survival mechanisms you know mm -hmm. so for me the woods was an escape in my i had a german shepherd slash you know three-quarter husky and she was the person that i would talk to it was like i would go on this big rock that was like you know the one that you see over at um um the park uh over by fairfax and in, in um six you know the big rock that's out there oh at yeah yeah LACMA? right right so right, yeah. i had a rock exactly like that in my woods and i would climb the side of these trees get up on the rock and i would just talk to 
nature or God, you know, and I was affected by things on TV and I wanted to have these powers and I wanted to be different, you know, like my escape, I think in Connecticut was, I didn't want to be here anymore. I didn't want to be around my dad and I knew what happened, but I never said anything to anyone. So I wanted to be that kid in lost in space and be out in the galaxy walking on the Milky Way, just not on earth anymore. I just wanted to get away. And I think also in Vermont, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, finding little fawns in the woods and, and just animals. And I had a connection, you know, like the Snow White or something, you mm -hmm. know, and I connected to that and I connected to the seasons because Vermont have all four seasons, like Vermont has all four seasons really, you know, to the umph degree. And, and so, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I definitely had a lot going on in my imagination as a coping me mechanism mm -hmm. because otherwise there were, there was a lot of, you know, man, there was so much anger because of things that went on and I, and, and I didn't, I was not able to express it. So it was coming out in ways that were just, um, making me who I was, which was, it was getting darker and more introverted for a long time. So it's kind of a weird thing where I think, you know, I don't know, the universe or God puts people through certain things and you you are put at a crossroads at a certain point where you either will let it bury you forever and you give in to that, not, I'm not going to say a victim thing, but that anger messed up thing and it's so hard to get out of. Or, you know, like for me, it was like, I figured I had one life to live and I really had to make that decision like, you know, do I let it suck me down completely or go up? And for a long time, I was definitely headed down. I mean, mm -hmm. I got, you know, I got arrested like five times. I like was crashing cars, like totaled seven cars. I was just, there were things going on that were not putting me in the right, you know, direction. And then I yeah. had an experience where I've had a few, but you know, like uh, I want to say they were like my God experiences that spoke to me. And that's the thing that got me, you know, into the acting. It wasn't like I chose it. It, kind of chose me and let me know that I was supposed to do it. I resisted, I followed it, but I was angry for like five years. I was like cursing out the gods for like so, so much. Cause I did not want to face all my issues and all my hangups that yeah. I had been in my whole life, you know? But I think um, I made myself and I got to a point and then I'd been going to therapy and everything besides seeking out the best acting teachers. and making myself do everything to just, you know, just trans transform, you know, and, and basically reprogram myself and life and, and why I was here. And, and I really didn't understand why this thing told me to follow this. But I think after a certain amount of time, I got asked to go do this really big movie with a big person. And instead I got on a plane and I went to Milan and I hid out there and I was in Italy. And then I went to Latvia where my mom was born and then Sweden where my dad had been born. And, uh, and then something hit me and told me, get back. It's time for you to start. You have to act, you have to start now. So I literally listened to the thing, got on a plane, came back and within a couple of weeks, everything changed within three months, my whole life changed. I mean, all these things, just came to me because I realized I was at a healthy enough place to not use it as a victim, as an actor, but to filter things through me. And I think I understood life and I had a lot of empathy for people. And, you know, there was a lot of pain that was going on for a long time. And now I was able to just connect it to everything out there. And then I was really, you know, for me, I guess I was taught really be smart about your choices about what characters you want to mm -hmm. play and do because 
that will mean everything. And, and I kept asking myself, well, wh what is my voice and why am I here in life? And if I'm here this one time, I got to make it count for me. Like, and if this thing told me to follow that, I'm not going to go for something for money or just to be on TV. I don't give a shit if anyone ever knows me. I don't care about money. I just need to do it to find the thing that's supposed to filter through me. Because if something told me to go here and I'm going on blind faith, I've got to listen to that and trust that process. And that's been my whole career. And it's taking, you know, like it's been an amazing last 24 years that, you know, it really has been magical since, you know, I kind of opened up and stopped being scared like I was going to die if I got put in that position, you right. know? So. Well, you said so you were, but you went to college for baseball. So did you ever think that at some point you're going to be a, like a, base, a pro baseball player? I, that's the only reason I went is like, you know, I think I was in a place, you know, I mean, again, this is, I don't want to be like, this is Dr. Phil, but I was in a place of extreme pain where I didn't think my life was going to go beyond mm -hmm. high school unless something like that happened. Yeah. And, and so my dream was to become a professional sports player. And then, uh, you know, I kind of got there and in football i realized i got humbled i mean i could be a standout in vermont you go to the yeah. the, the next level it doesn't always no. you know transition correctly and it definitely didn't for football to me and i, I was getting a lot of concussions and i just got Ugh. extremely uh humbled and then in baseball i had the potential but my heart wasn't in baseball i just mm -hmm. did it because i happened to be really you know re really okay at it you know and so um, I, I changed my degree five times cause I really didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. I just knew it was baseball or football. I wanted to be football. Then I realized it was, and then I was there and then I got caught in that, not caught, but it was like a great breathing space in between yeah. your time in high school and at home that you want to get away from, but not having to really be out in the real world yet. So for me, it was like three and a half, four years of, you know, breathing in, uh, just that in between time to not know what I'm going to do. Like I said, I switched my degrees five times because I just had no clue what I wanted to do with my life at that time. So then when you're like, oh, you got offered, you said you got like offered this big like movie part and then you went to Milan. But what is that part where you're like, is it like sliding doors where you're like, if I would have taken that, would my life have been different? May, like maybe. I mean, early on, you know, the guy that, oh man, I did this commercial called L.A. Gear and it was a basketball oh, fan. LA, yeah, it was that basketball fantasy commercial. And yeah. I became their spokesperson, I think, right after, I want to say, it was either Michael Jackson or Paul Abdul or one of those guys had done it first. And I was their second guy. And I did this 60-second spot that was a like a movie without words. Mm -hmm. And I had never acted before, but the head of CAA Michael Ovitz at the time, um, I think was not only the president, but might have owned it. He uh, saw it and said, find that guy, bring him in here. And he started looking for movies to put me in. And he want, wanted me to oh. be with CAA. Of course, I went in there and I, I, back then I was up all night out with my friends, partying, just kind of escaping the world because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I'm like, the F is CAA and who is he? Like that, you know, I was jumping on couches, <laughs> acting like an animal, like, and they were all like, oh my God, everyone's in there watching me, thinking it was so intriguing. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm freaking here. I'm like, this is like, what are you guys doing? Who are you? They're like, <laughs> you know, so I blew that off. And I mean, I had opportunities back then, but I had no idea. And then a few years later, all these writers that were rep by, by CAA would run into me, go, 
you have no idea. That guy, Michael Ovitz, was so a fan of yours. And he was looking. He had all his writers writing movies for you to put you in. But he was just waiting for you to show him that you actually wanted to act or, or, or take it serious. But at that time, I had zero interest in acting. Mm. I mean, it was a long time ago, but it was my, again, in-between time. And I had found back then, again, it was a long time ago, I was modeling at the time. I had the long blonde hair and the surfer look. So I was kind of doing that, making money, traveling, and just didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. But, you know, except for I did these commercials also and happened to, you know, ruin the, because I kept thinking what would have happened if I actually yeah. took that serious and knew what kind of opportunity. But again, the universe was definitely, I was not mentally yeah. right, re ready for it or even have the right mindset. I'm like, what the F is acting? Yeah. You know, like. You weren't ready for it. No. Yeah. So, so what was the process? I mean, what, ha what, what was the impetus it took to, to move into acting where you said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Actually, I have a question before that. Okay, yeah, it's a weird story. So I'm arm wrestling the guy got me in arm wrestling, got I, me into that movie. You know, well, let's do it. Let's just do it. You want, okay, tell, so this yeah. guy, this guy Richie, he was a filmmaker, and I think uh, maybe for USC or something. And he was my best friend, and we worked at this gym, Jack Lane's, and I was a nutritionist, and he was a trainer and also a slash actor, and he knew Stallone. Um, and so he wrote a movie as a final whatever project for the the UCLA or whatever to graduate. So it was going to be in this festival. And he wrote the movie for he and myself because he knew me better than anybody. And so he approached me one day and said, listen, you know, I got this movie and I, I wrote it for you and me and I want you to to start it with me. I go, I'm not, I'm not doing it because I knew I had severe <laughs> dyslexia and I yeah. struggled so bad reading it, it, like it was paralyzing. So for me, I couldn't read and I got away many other, there's a lot of ways you can get away with stuff, but I couldn't read. And so he's like, but I couldn't say that to him. And He's like, but I wrote this for you and me. I said, I'm not going to do it. He goes, but I wrote it for you. You, I know you better than anybody. He goes, this is for you. No one else can play it. I said, Richie, I'm not going to do it. I said, find somebody else. So three and a half weeks, he just, he says, please, you got to do this. And finally I said, listen, okay, this is what I'll do. Cause it's you. If you get somebody to say the lines out loud and I can, you know, try to get it in my head, I'll try. So I spent like time, I don't know, like a week and a half or something maybe more with this girl that would, you know, run it with me over and over. And I, w I could visualize and see everything. And so that was my um, Jim Carrey moment that I agreed to do it. And it was the first day on set and we were in the scene, just he and I starting this whole thing. And they had the film crew around all these people and the extras and everything. And I just calmly, I'm just observing everything going around. I didn't know, again, I've never acted, so I don't know what I'm doing. So I just, you know, I knew what I was supposed to say and it was in him. So I'm watching and I'm like listening. And then all of a sudden I hear this, okay, roll sound. And right as they say action, everybody froze. And this really happened 100%. The whole, everybody, like you guys, every everyone froze. And I looked and around and nobody was moving. And it was like, I was just, I felt like I was in the center of the universe. And this thing whooshed through me and said, this is what you're going to do the rest of your life. And it went whoop, right out the back end. And as soon as it went out, everyone kept walking and then they started doing it. And the end of the action came and I went, huh. And did the scene with him and we, you know, did the movie. It ended up winning the, the festival or whatever. 
but it, it was my thing that haunted me because I couldn't ignore that. And mm -hmm. that was the thing that got me then like, if I'm going to do this, um, you know, find the best teachers there are. In the first class, I, I got thrown out because it was a cold reading class. And mm -hmm. like I say, I literally couldn't read. And they thought I was being, uh, I don't know, like a smart ass or, or uh, be giving them a hard time because they would teach me the process of going down, looking up, pick half the line, da -da, but I couldn't read. So I couldn't do that. They're like, can you get a front open page, whatever. And I'd sit there and they go, okay, go. And I'd look and I didn't know what it said. And I'm looking and I go, I, I can't read this. And they're like, just do it. And so got back and forth until they said, okay, you don't do this. You're out of the class. Don't ever come back. And I just put the book down and left. And I thought, you know, when my friend Mary knew that I wanted to try to pursue it like I felt like I needed to. So she brought a guy over to the house that was a coach and he brought a couple of monologues and said, okay, you know, um, you know, I hear you want to act. So he goes, I've got a couple of things I want you to read. And so, um, <laughs> this is like really weird, but I got the monologue. I looked at it. I didn't know what it said. So I just started, you know, trying to read it. I couldn't look at him. I'm, I'm trying to read it. I got through it. And I, I don't even know what I said. I think I made up most of it. He goes, do you know what Jesus read? I go, I have no idea. And he goes, okay. He says, let me give you something else. And um, same thing happened. He goes, do you know what you read? I said, no, I don't know. I say, I don't recollect. I didn't comprehend anything. I don't even know what I said to you. So I said, you know, and he says, I'll, I'll tell you what. He's, you know, he says, have you ever heard of dyslexia? And I'm like, uh, no. He goes, well, and he explained it to me. He said, I'd like to send you to a dyslexia institute to get you tested. So um, that that went on, you know, and I did that and uh, found out I was severely dyslexic, not only with um, reading, but also with listening and hearing. And they've got mm -hmm. a whole philosophy of why that happens, and but I don't want to get into it. But my next two and a half years was you know, six months at, at, at this um, institute and then and then two, two and a half years with this guy, Dr. Moses Albalas, uh, who specialized in it, that a director that was pretty well known told me his wife had it and she had gone to him. So I went and worked with him at the same time I was taking the acting classes and all that stuff. Wow. wow. So That's a heavy load. That was, yeah, well, mm -hmm. anything to try to yeah, right. just change, man. I mean, just again. Well, that's was, the hardest thing, you know, for people is to to do something to make, you know, a shift that's going to make their lives better. People, are, a lot of people are. are you don't know it at the stay time. In one place, yeah. you know, but, you know, yeah. but, but yeah, there's a lot of bravery. When did so when did did you ever start to think like, hey, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at this. No. There was never I that moment. Don't, no, I don't know. You I know just, what? I, I I just died. Look, I mean, Larry, I I follow Larry Moss's thing, and he was super hard on me. Although, like, my, this guy, you know, I was telling this kid who's an upcoming want want to be an actor, and uh, he works at Starbucks, and uh, I was telling him about because he's always asking me, like, you know, what kind of books or things can I read? Or so I started out. I said, well, my first teacher was Michael Shirtliff, who wrote this book, How to Audition. It's a very simple book. I even told Force Whitaker about him, and Force was gonna go take from Michael, but Michael passed away, so mm -hmm. so it didn't happen. But Shirtliff was, uh, I don't know, firm believer in these twelve steps, and you know, I mean, my, he was my first teacher ever, and and I was a paralyzed, paralyzed kind of guy, and, and when it came to opening up to people, yet I would try to get in these characters and learn what the teachers would teach me, and 
Um, I did a thing from uh, Streetcar Named Desire with mm. Marlon Brando. Mm -hmm. and right. I always remember, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't read well, so I watched the scene on TV and I, I'm like, I don't know who the F Marlon Brando is or, the, you know, whatever this thing is. Cause that time I just hadn't done any research on acting or actors, you know? And so I watched this guy and I listened to him mumble and I watched his body language. And so all I did is try to mimic him. Right. And so, you know, I did the scene with this girl, Lori Lee Goss and it's in fountain theater and there's like 102 people and it's crammed in there. It's my first time and Michael, you know, has us go up and do the scene. And I did my thing and and every time she spoke the whole place, they're laughing. They're like, oh, like it was hysterical. Like she was brilliant. And every time I spoke, no, no one said a word. And I'm like sweating. I'm thinking like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. And I'm just like, don't think, don't think, just try to stay in the scene. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the scene. We get done with the whole thing, right? And then, you know, we sit down and Michael calmly, he's so funny, much older guy with white hair and, uh, just a really trippy dude. And he's like, okay. He goes, Kenny, how'd you feel? And back then, dude, all I did is stare at the floor. I was sweating. Wouldn't talk, wouldn't make eye contact. I was just just shut down when it came to personal inter interactions, you know? And so I, every time he spoke to me, I just didn't stare at the floor. I wouldn't talk to him. And then he goes, Lori Lee, how'd you feel? And she goes, oh my God, I felt wonderful. That was the best thing I've ever done. I was so freeing and na, 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 na. And so he goes to the class, okay. He goes, everyone, cause you know, Michael's famous for um, doing the graduate and finding Dustin Hoffman. He discovered De Niro, Hackman. He was a big playwright in the sixties himself, you know, prior to getting getting into casting and working for some huge people. Um, so anyways, he just said, well, so, if you guys were to cast it, who would cast Lori Legos as Blanche? All the hands go up except for one. So about 100 people go up or 101. And then they go, how many would pick Kenny for Stanley? And this one girl just kind of goes like this <laughs> and back down. And Michael says, can I curse on here or no? Yeah, sure. Yeah. You stupid motherfuckers. What is wrong with you? Kenny's the one that would be fucking cast for this, you idiots. What the fuck is wrong? And he's screaming at the class. He's going, he did all my guide steps, all 12. He had this, he had that. And, and I'm just sitting there and I was just staring at the floor, but it planted a seed in me. And I thought, oh, there was something I did that was right or okay. And I know who this guy is. So no matter what anyone's going to say to me, uh, that seed's in there now. And it just, it's gonna grow. Cause there's very, you know, Larry Moss was my next teacher. And again, he, you know, he's coached six people to Academy Awards. And and I got him luckily when he was still, you know, teaching five days a week. And I took both, you know, both of these classes for the beginners and the advanced people. Cause all I was into is like, I wanna learn, I wanna learn. Did more scenes than any, we had, you know, he had movie stars in there, you know, Michael Richards, Jason Alexander, everybody was in there, but I put up more work than everyone. I was just a workaholic and I would pick the hardest scenes and everything because I just wanted to learn and grow. And I mean, I, I fell on my face in front of him trying so hard because all these people intimidated me because there were these big people in there. And I, and I was like, you know, I did so horrible my first time. And I thought, well, okay, I bombed so bad it can't go anywhere but up. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm like, it can't get worse than that. Cause that was like so humiliating. And I was like, wow, I go that I can get that bad because I'm trying to please these people. I go, 
I need to like, you know, re reprogram the way I'm thinking. So I got into learning everything he taught and applying that and doing 50 questions and breaking down every character and, and spent literally 12 hours a day, every day of the week working on scenes on my off time. Mm -hmm. And that was my life is I wanted to learn and grow. And then finally, um, I think, uh, yeah, it got to the point where, uh, everyone in there was working and he would even, I remember eight months in, he pulled me aside. He goes, you know what? You've got these qualities that I've only seen in, in one other person in the last 20 years. And he goes, you have a chance to be something different and special. And he said to people who I knew, and I'd done a lot of research on old movies and, and who they were prior to him saying that. So I, I kind of, again, that seed went inside too. Hmm. So there were two guys that were there. So it didn't matter all the casting people that go, this guy sucks. Why are you sending him out to us? That's the worst actor I've ever seen. And that's feedback I was getting from my agents and my managers because I was being sent out on the generic TV bullshit stuff that the, my look might have semi-fitted, but my energy and who I was was a thousand percent different than that. And I kept thinking like, you know, every, I'm not in the, with the right people in the right place. Like the, the whole universe is not brought me into a place where something good will happen. And I knew that because I just, I didn't know people. I didn't know agents or managers and I was with who I was, but they were just looking to make money and send me out on like Baywatch and things that were not me. I was like this major serious actor that at the time looked like I could be on those shows, but my energy was just night and day from that. So Larry, you know, Larry even like wanted, again, he sent me to the studios when they were doing these huge films and saying, we're looking for a special guy. Do you have anyone? He goes, I have the exact guy. But the problem was he would send me in and I had to cold read. And because I couldn't read, I would be in the room and I couldn't read it. And they're thinking like, this mm. is awful. And it was probably awful because I couldn't cold read. I couldn't read. So then I had no idea really what was going on in the room. And these were for like huge, huge films. And and they're like going like, well, you keep sending this guy in. but And then Larry even asked me, he goes, I'm starting to question myself. I go, no, what it is is like, I'm severely dyslexic and they're making me cold read these things and I can't read them. If I don't have time, like a week or something to get it, process it down, I can do it if you give me that time. But if you say, pick up the paper and go, go do it, I'm, I'm not like, you know, like Shamar Moores or other people that can look at it once and they got the whole thing down. I, I just not the way I am or yeah. my, my, my dyslexia doesn't allow that, you know? So how does your, how does your process work then with dyslexia? Because of course, more the characters is more than the words. So where do you find, where do you find it? I go back to Larry, you know, I mean, I, I, again, I put so much work up in Larry's and I learned you know, what worked for me, because he would not say there's one way, there's not mm -hmm. one method, there's not one teacher. So he learned from the best and he had gone to the best and he brought them all and gave them for us to try, try to find tools and things that work for us. It's almost like saying everybody's different. So if you can acclimate to, you know, each person being different and what works for them, then go with that. And so I learned what worked for me. And, you know, I mean, I, he has 50 questions that you answer from the day you were born, your parents, you know, each experience from zero to five years old, five to 10. And mm -hmm. it gets very personal with questions about things. But these are things I like to do with my character to fill it in. So there's always a life going on underneath prior to right. getting to there. And even then, you know, like 
I will spend 20 pages a night as the character free base and any thought or feelings I have and just don't, I don't monitor. It's almost like I don't even know I'm writing. I'm just writing so fast because my mind just goes and it has feelings that I don't monitor it. And that way there's a life going on. So then when I go out there to, you know, do the base motel or the shield or whatever it is going on with these characters, there's already a life that has been created and going on. And, and, and I will go home every night after shooting. And besides having to learn my stuff, I will do 20, 30 more pages of writing his, you know, thoughts and feelings and right. they could be anger or they could be whatever it is. There's no, I don't judge it. You know, I let it just, it's like freebasing thoughts, right. you know, and, and I'm, you know, and I spend like 30, 40 hours per script reading, rereading, trying to understand what it is, drawing pictures, numbers. I have to do these weird things in order for me to get it down, understand it, and mm -hmm. then process it. And then once I do, I break it down, but it's very like, you know, di it's different. Like again, most of the guys on set that I know, like literally they read it a few times and it's down. And some of them don't put a lot of character work into it. They just, you know, like they do their thing and think that's what acting is. And I'm like thinking like, for me, I love the process of digging deep and breathing in a whole life. Right. You know what I mean? Because then I feel like I'm not lying to the audience as much. And, and I'm thinking if I'm getting paid to do this and people are going to watch, you got it. You got for me, I'm like OCD. I've got to put every effort to cover every little basis to honor this character that was written and why the play like Carlton Cuse or Carrie Aaron or Sean Ryan or whoever wrote it or Kurt Sutter. There's a reason. So, you you know, you want to make it the best possible version of it that you can and color in your your way of just giving everything and i i will literally do notes all the way up to there thinking like did i do enough did i do it and i'm like yeah you know just now just let it go man just let mm -hmm. it go and go in there and now act as if you've never read you know read these things at all and right. just try to be remember honest to and forget in the moment, it you know remember to forget it well, i got a weird question for you now the uh, the first film i ever saw you in was it's and it stuck out to me forever was blade, blade. <laughs> and yeah. because because you were right. had a, a small part in the beginning but I, I and i had never seen somebody take a, a small part like that and do so much with it that's kind i yeah. just said man i i want to I, I need to learn how to do that and i still watch i still watch that for that to, to watch you in that opening it's a great scene. intro man. i always wanted to know First 10 minutes was like uh, awesome. it, it was amazing i mean you were amazing you were amazing in it because you set the pace but the, but my question i've never asked you thank was, god i didn't know who tracy lords was at the time yeah <laughs> i didn't and you know so when she's grabbing me in between my legs and everything i'm like thinking like I had no idea who the heck she was. I didn't know anything about. <laughs> I her. didn't know about I'd it. I'd been a little more intimidated when I saw her. I didn't know it was. But so, but when you when that happened, it's such a you know a pivotal scene to begin. Yeah. Everything. You were so there, and I'm just wondering. I've always wondered, like, how did you put yourself there? There's a lot of things that were going on with this guy. Who right. was you know? And I've always who was that guy? And there's a lot going on with him. And because, like, as you're walking in, and you say, oh, "You're looking at the, what's that?" What? Yeah. But it, but it doesn't. But you you never end it. Right. It's like it's almost like that uh, scene from uh, 
uh, you know, the, 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 the good, good fellas where they walk all the way through and the camera follows them. You're <laughs> yeah. like that. You were continual. So how um, did you, how did you do that? And you're covered in, in this mucky blood, yeah, blood yeah. and everything. And I, I believed you, like, I, I believed you so much. And the thing was for me was that when Wesley shows up yeah, and you look up at him, yeah, I just thought, God, he's holding his own with Wesley. He's holding his own, like he's taking this and now he's holding his own with him. I'm like, man, this dude is, I'm going to keep watching his career. And then I did. You kind. You know, but, but uh, oh, I'm well, truthful. So like, but, but, but I want to know, what was the process in that? And was that your first film? Um, no, or, for, I, or first big, you know. Yeah, I did one with Jennifer Tilly and Jeffrey Tambor before that. And then I, uh, but that, that I did, and I think I did Blade before Major League. So I think Blade was like, yeah, that was it. And it was originally only one line and this guy Stephen Norrington who was from England had done a film that got a lot of hype over there so they offered him a three picture deal over here this was his first and so he came from the world of um um you know uh, doing things on computer and graphic design mm -hmm. so his mind was all about graphic design and in in details and uh, he was a great guy long blonde hair and he's the one who actually auditioned me and there's only one word in the audition. So it was, it was, and that was only supposed to be one word in the whole film. And so um, I had this nervous thing that I don't think I do as much anymore, but you know, I don't want to talk to people because I don't want them to judge me for, I don't express myself well sometimes. So I know what I'm, I know what I'm thinking. I know what I have to do. I know what they're looking for. So I'm like, less is more. So I right. do a lot of yeah, 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 yeah. So, He's talking to me, explaining. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, yeah, you know, and and then you're gonna do. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, okay. So we do the thing, and all the audition was is this one line, and I get down, and the thing is Wesley, turn my head left, and then turning it right to right. check to see if, if I had gotten bit. So of course, you know, for me, I'm in that state, and I'm just loosey goosey. And when he grabs my head and he pulls it this one, he pulls it that way. He's like, okay. He says, um, you know, um, uh, you know, like that's great. Thank you very much, or whatever. So I leave, and then I get hired for the part, and I show up, and he goes, you know, why I hired you? He, I go, what? He goes, well, first of all, he goes, I, you know, I love your look for this, and I love your energy, and and you did you did great. But he goes, a lot of people did great. You're the only guy who didn't resist me pulling their neck left and right. Everyone else tensed up and they wouldn't allow me to do that. Mm. And I thought, that's weird. Cause I'm thinking, why wouldn't an actor just, you know, if you're in that state and that thing had just happened, why wouldn't you let them check you? But he goes, that's why I hired you. So then we go to shoot the thing. And he's like, listen, make up whatever the fuck you want. Just make it up, talk. When you go there, just talk. You see the dead fucking bodies or the cows or whatever. Say whatever you want, turn around, just make it, this is your world. He goes, so he says, I want you to just improvise this whole thing. And I'm like, okay. You know, so I was like, I was totally down with that. So everything that was in there, I just made up. It, none of it was written. So it made it easier for me because mm -hmm. that was just like, uh, you know, every, you know, bump Steven Dorff and he's all into this or, you know, the blood. And I'm like, what, you know, what do I, like, I'm like, I'm just going to play because this is all real and I get, you know, so I'm just going to play it real, you know, and just, just live this thing. And then I'm going to be dancing. They push me away. I'm like, 
the fuck? You know, like, what's going on? All of a sudden, you know, the blood comes out. I don't know what it is. And then all of a sudden, everyone's teeth come out. And I'm like, what? The? You know? And then I get pummeled until he comes in. So it was a fun world to live in. And plus, he let me just create it. It's you beautiful. Know, you know, you know, the uh, the the talking talking about the piece where he where he yeah, looks, yeah. looks in your head. Yeah, I thought that that was so perfect because it is exactly what people look like when they're in shock, right? And you didn't, you know, a lot of it. Oh my God, please don't. That's not how people do it. They said you just said, "Please don't kill me." It was that you know. I mean, yeah. and that that was that was it. You know, and it was absolutely. Bruce, perfectly like, I've never real seen the film <laughs> ah, she goes i hate blade i hate wesley snipes no. i'm hogging all the time from ro here no, ro, no do you have, no, a, no, do you have a question ro please because i will sit She's here like, and talk to him bullshit. all night he's breaking down every single film and show and uh no but you know you talk about you know uh, you're talking about like the teachers and everything yeah. that you had which of course is great but it's also like you learn from other people right so is there like an actor that you remember that is like hey this is what I'm going to tell you about um, acting or any advice that you got that you were like, oh, I'm going to pass that on to other people. No, no, no it was a, all from the it was all from the teachers that you. Learned yeah, no, no. Yeah. No actor ever said anything to me or anything ever. No, or but, shared anything. But, you know, I mean, I, I, I had done a commercial with Brad Pitt before and I remember having conversations over like a three day period. I find it funny. I'm, well, I find it funny. It's like funny. I played the hunk in this Pringles commercial with these girls and he played the nerd. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that's that. Yeah. That worked out perfect. You know, yeah. it's like he's like yeah. the biggest sex symbol in the world. And I'm like, who the hell am I, man? So, no, I just remember Brad, though. And for some reason, it was right before he did um, uh, Cal uh, uh, Thelma and Louise. And mm. and, and uh, he might have even been in the process of getting ready to shoot that when we shot together and but I remember just something about him being so organic and different and honest. And and I remember everything about all three days and every comment he made. And I don't know why, because I didn't know him at the time. I had no idea who he was an actor or that he wanted to act. But there was something about him that was like, yeah, that had that effect on me. So I, I you know, he's somebody, believe it or not, that besides the Montgomery Cliffs and James Dean and all these guys and these, mm -hmm. like De Niro and Brando, every, all these genius people, Gene Hackman, whatever. I like Brad, you know, and I, I like his energy and I like what he organically, he finds these things that he brings to characters. And, um, I, I've, you know, he's somebody that he, for some reason he had an effect on me, you know, which yeah. was interesting. And I've used him for things of my version of things in, in, in things that were, um, in movies I've done, you know? Well, also because, you know, you were talking about your process and it's so, I mean, it's intense and it's really, it's phenomenal, but it's also like when I think about early Brad Pitt, it was like cutting class and Thelma and Louise. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, exactly. Like, you know, you're like, so, oh, uh, it, it was such a like, you know, I was like a B slasher kind of, you know. <laughs> I, I just think it's funny how you had this great process and you're like, and Brad Pitt. Well, okay, but here's the thing is like Brad had his own process and, yeah. and I know people that knew him back then that, you know, I won't say how or why, but, um, you know, he definitely had his own process and, and he took it to a level th that worked for him mm -hmm. in his own way. And it's not like he, you know, so my whole thing is like, I can explain how all this crazy stuff is that I do. 
but anyone that watches me act thinks it just looks easy and that I don't do anything and I don't work at it. And that's the whole thing is like, I keep telling my daughter, like, that's what it's all about is if you can do all this work, but then throw it away and let it be as if it, cause I'll call her out if something's not real. You know, I go, Mm -hmm. you know, no, it's just like, you know, you gotta be real and honest. That's the first, first thing is this like, cause otherwise you get caught acting that's acting and yeah. i go you can't right. get yeah. the thing is is like i try to put all that work in then to not get caught you know right. what i mean because i've covered everything now i can throw it away and just try to trust the moment you know the moment and be honest you is know? your daughter uh, an actress she yeah, yeah she, she, yeah. Oh, she started awesome. when she was five and she's oh, like yeah. 12 and a half now and yeah. it's done a few it's like 24 musicals three oh, films awesome. and she's recurring on a show right now oh that's awesome and she's just a really cool person Hey, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, no. I didn't mean to. Uh, I wanted to know. You know, you spend so much time working on your characters. I'm wondering that if, when you're playing something, especially on a long run like a like a series, does any of that bleed over into your regular life? Well, yeah, my my <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah would we'll say that. Your wife's like, can I then. can I have a comment? Back- <laughs> <laughs> no. Y- have a what comment a comment she's like can i uh comment on this yes it bleeds over like this <laughs> oh <laughs> no she would she would she knows what i was going through back then because she would help me like learn all my stuff you mm. know like a repetition of getting it down so you know like on the shield you know me and walton and michael could finish each other's sentences and it was like just effortless because i put in all that work and she helped me out a lot with that and um yeah i would run into the you know my character had gone through freaking hell and back and by the third season i'd run into executives from fx like out on the street and the weekends and and that you know they just say like jesus christ they, you look like you look like hell man it's like what that you know it's like you know and i would not let the character go not that i was trying to hang on to it but mm-hmm. the mental state the language the kind of mindset was and just the way i was disheveled all the time like bled over through until the next week and the next week and you know they're like you're starting to become this guy lem you're looking like you you're you just got work man and so i would say some sometimes sometimes it it does but then Mm -hmm. i would say that was the only character you know i mean soa was uh i mean that was just a blast and great and for sons of anarchy those of you who don't Sons know. of Anarchy, yeah. <laughs> as long as I didn't bring the language home or or as much as, you know, the guys are guy guys and I'm like more of a, uh, I, you know, I'm not a guy guy. Yeah, you know, I'm not I, either. You're like an energy guy. You're like. Yeah, I grew up with sisters and a yeah. mom, so I was always very protective of that. Yeah. And I don't like, I never like people that would say things about, or disrespectful about women really, really bothered me and still does. And yeah, so I'm much more of a feminine energy, although I might look like a thug or whatever, you know. It's you don't like, look the damn you know, thug. <laughs> you know. Hey, uh, did you, uh, weird question. When you were modeling, did you know you were good looking? Oh, hell no. No, no, no. I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. I had, you know, I I was bulimic for like 13 years because this distortion that I thought that I looked like. So all I knew is that uh, I was nervous. My energy always needed to be happy and upbeat because I had major highs and lows back then. Yeah. You know, and I I don't know why, because I was dealing with a lot of stuff like struggling inside. So my highs are so high. And, and you know what I mean? That oh, yeah. people, Absolutely and I could not. do that around them. And for some reason I had the long blonde hair and just this, this weird sizzling energy all over the place. Static. And it was happy. And for some reason 
they liked it and responded. Everyone's like, no, no, I want him to represent. And I mean, I started out with Tommy Hilfiger. Um, I started out like a whole bunch of campaigns that they're, they're big lines now, but back then there were startup companies, you know, mm -hmm. but they're like, no, he's going to be our, he's going to be the face of our thing. And so all I knew is that if I smiled and I had energy, they kept hiring me and, and that was it. But like, but you never felt like you I hate it. No, I do not like, I never liked the way I look. I, I still don't. And that's just it, you know? That's wild I mean, so because, no, you're, because you're a handsome dude. No. Nah, uh, hey, it's true. I've had to come to peace with aging as I get older. And I'm like, okay. Just, no, we all got that. It back. is what it is. And then <laughs> I started to think, okay, back then I was really hard on myself. Well, I'm thinking, uh, what about now? I go, this is like even like. You're even better now. Oh, you're so crazy. Nah, ah, it's true. It's oh, true. Oh, the aging of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Aging of life. You of know? life. Like, yeah. You age a lot more in Hollywood than you do yeah, in other really. parts of the country. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of aging, how, how did you how did you meet your wife? And, uh, uh, aging she, or said Asian? No, I said speaking like of aging. Which is a weird translation. Asian. Asian, yeah. What did you say? I said aging. <laughs> which is, is politically how, weird right now. How, how, <laughs> aging. Aging. It's a weird way to ask how you met your wife. So how did you want to meet know how you met your wife? Your wife. And were there Asians involved? Oh my god! <laughs> the uh, Vietnam film, yeah. I I came off of a CBS show that I knew was not right for me, just because it's it was my first series, and um and I I, I wanted out, and so I got out, and then CBS offered me another show, and I just said I I so appreciate it, and and but I go I I need to you know follow why I got into acting, and I go I the reason I have to go is because. I realized that I'm not doing that. And I, you know, I got into it for a reason and I need to honor that. And I go, thank you, but no, thank you. So I took a film that was for like, not very much money, but with a guy who was pretty known at the time who had a huge movie out. And um, there was this really effed up character that um, they want me to play. And so I took it and premonition, my first one I've had in my life a number of times. And they come true to a T. My first one was four years old. I was at a wedding, a ring bearer. And at the, afterwards, these two girls were chasing me around. I ran to the bathroom because I was like, oh, girls, you know. And and so I had a flash of I was going to marry this girl, meet her on the other side of the world. I knew what she looked like. And I knew what her skin complexion was. I knew what her hair and her eyes looked like. And I, and I knew it was an, an exotic island on the other side of the world. And I thought, and that was at four years old and I, 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 it never went away. And so anyways, all these years later, I'd had other premonitions that came true to a T like the shield, Deborah Quilla casting me in it, the part, like other things, just like to a T with working with Holly Hunter. I knew that was going to happen. And when she ended up, you know, it was weird how the whole thing happened, but it was shown to me way or, you know, that 10 years prior to that happening and the shield was like six months prior to that happening but like with all the same people like everything and mm -hmm. the project had not even been announced and the thing with mm -hmm. Holly, you know so it was it was like bizarre but this whole thing is like i i was four when i had it and it was the only one that didn't come true and i'd never been with a girl that was the one you mm -hmm. know and then i always knew it, you know i jump out of my skin feeling i'm like okay in this lifetime it's not meant to happen and i let it go and so i was sitting in a room on my first day and I'm, I'm trying to get into character to go do this really kind of, you know, cr crazy intense scene. And, and this girl behind me goes, it's my birthday today. And I like turn around and I, and I go, Oh, happy birthday. And, and I went, 
huh and right away it hit me i thought she looks so much like like the flash i had when i was young everything about it and i'm just and i just went no that's like so many years later now i go mm -hmm. this one's not one that's good you know and all of a sudden she's like uh you know me and my girlfriends are going out tonight do you want to come and i just i never met her so i like turned around and go uh, you know okay you know yeah yeah so <laughs> i went and then 11 days later we started dating out there when i was shooting we shot in vietnam and the philippines but she had a small role that the director had talked her into that she didn't want to do but they had a connection an hour and a half later she talked her into taking this part and so it was her birthday that day and we met that day and you know and then it went from there we just kind of i trusted it because I didn't feel like jumping out of my skin and it felt very breathable and everything about mm. it as time went on and she came out to visit me and stay and I, I didn't have the feeling that I had had in the past and I thought just just go with it so that's how that's how that came about she's amazing too I love her. I, I love your family you're so kind they're right? they're really really beautiful people and they were so kind to me uh at our premiere yeah, yeah. that was that was great um gosh darn it what was that question i wanted to ask you uh, Ro, will you ask a question because it just flew out of my mind ah, spectrum well, <laughs> call the ambulance well so we're talking about all your talents obviously so this question that i'm asking is a little oh my God. well but do you have any like of those like hidden talents or like something like that nobody would ever guess that you would do that's a talent i know your talent I mean, what I do that was by accident by the same guy who got me in the acting was arm wrestling. Oh. And I became a world champion arm wrestler. Oh, you did? Um, yeah, I was like number one, number one in the world, right and left handed in 2012. Ambidextrous? Yeah. What? And so, yeah, yeah I was a I'm weird, still chagrined. Weird story, you know? <laughs> do you get two medals for that or they just give you uh, one? No, two. Yeah, two? yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. Yo, because I, because I had never never been beaten in an arm wrestling match until you met him this until he came along and took my crown do you have i mean i honestly believed i was gonna i was like i'm gonna beat you man i don't lose uh, bd have you competed though like have you come uh, just on a just on a uh, well, okay, okay so <laughs> just not alone no but a lot yeah. of people when they say like at you the know, ymca i used to, well, I used yeah. to be real big he was a bigger dude. i was a really big guy mm -hmm. and so there was a lot of people you know guys see a big guy that all wrong wrestling you and i never lost it didn't matter they could be a bodybuilder they could be just a big guy truck driver <laughs> didn't matter i was i was killing everybody <laughs> never lost until I mean, you're like yeah we should arm wrestle you were we were at we were at the grove we were at the grove and you're like hey I we should arm wrestle That's and right. i was like and i told you i was like hey man i've never been beat so uh, don't yeah. feel bad when you get beat man it was like arm wrestling probably like a quarter it was second. so bad it so i mean bad. it was it was like it was like it, it was like it had to be how rocky felt wow. when he first fought clubber lang and clubber lang or over the top just beat the, <laughs> just beat the hell out of him and he was like i can't take him he's too strong he's too strong that's how i felt i went back to my friends i was like cut me cut me you know i mean i tried like three times and it must have taken like each time it was faster at the uh, Grove, huh? At the TCBY at the, at the Grove. grove. So, <laughs> no, at, 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 I think it was at the Menchies. That no, it was at that <laughs> the place right across from the French restaurant. 
right oh. when you come in from uh okay. parking beat the crap out of me yeah no I mean, and then you were like i should arm wrestle professionally you were like you should arm wrestle professionally were you kind after of... you after you kicked my i felt like you were saying to give me that's really nice of you to, to make me save fame there i don't make remember me, now but to make me say i would not you know, say that there. unless maybe i felt like... something i know it's serious like if if there's zero resistance i won't say anything but I, you know, I know the difference between world champion class and somebody who's strong still, you know? Yeah. And so you must have had something if I would have said that to you. You beat him in the Yeah, I wouldn't you say try it nice because there's guys that, I mean, dude, I'd be like, you know, what Randy Couture and, you know, Egan Machado, these like guys that are top of their whatever, like in a quarter second. And then they chase me around wanting to kill me. And I'm like laughing. I'm like, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's a freak thing. I go, I don't know how or why, but I go, Please don't beat me up. I go, you know, because they think I'm embarrassing them on purpose. No, I'm yeah, like, it's that baseball <laughs> arm. It's that baseball arm. You it's, throw it 91 miles per hour, you're going to take somebody down and arm wrestle. It's weird. I mean, I, I like the you, way, you, bro, did you, you say an arm wrestle? Yeah, what? yeah. Take somebody down. yeah an arm wrestle. I've never yeah. heard of uh, anybody say, oh, yeah, there. that's an arm wrestle. Yeah, that's what Hell we, yeah. that's what we I've never an arm wrestling. Yeah. No, it's an arm wrestling match. <laughs> yeah. What guys is well, arm wrestling whatever, match. man. Arm wrestling. As long as you get the word arm wrestling there, we I know just never heard. I just never heard anybody say arm wrestling. Well, like how were, were you like out one night at a bar and no. you're like, oh, so, boom, no, this, this is, is my talent. No, this is it. exactly. I'm at the freaking stupid Jack Lanes again. Uh, Jack, and, I love hearing Jack Lane right. because I grew up in New York because so he like swam something, pulling some tugboat out. Yeah, so something. So yeah, I didn't know what Jack lanes was when i moved from these coasts i'm like i was a gym okay whatever and this little dude is swims in his speedos and yeah. poses i'm like all, all right, the women in the so, 80s went nuts over <laughs> exactly so i was a nutritionalist and it was late at night we're ready to close up and there were these storied it out bodybuilders that were like you know 300 pounds and they're all at the manager's desk arm wrestling my friend Richie's there, who's not as big as them, but he's still yoked out, and he's a friend of Stallone's, mm -hmm. so he knows over the top, and they had mm -hmm. already shot that, and um, you know, and so these guys, one guy dominated everybody, and just you know, it's just adrenal, and I'm watching, I'm like, I'd never, I literally had never arm wrestled in my life, so the guy looks over, he's looking around, he goes, "You get over here," and I'm like, "Dude, you're like twice my size, get the fuck over here." So I just, I thought, okay, he's just gonna crush my arm, so I jumped over the bar. <laughs> I go on the thing and they're like, did I you get... turn your hat around? <laughs> Not at that time. I learned later on though. No, but they said they started us and I was super scared. Like this guy's going to break my arm. And they're like, go. And literally like, it was like, like a quarter of a second, just pinned him. Right. And everyone's looking like, what the fuck is that? This guy just dominated everybody. And they go, yeah. so he's like, do it again. And it was like, doom like that. Right. And so my friend tagged it and we didn't talk about it after that. I was, that was it. That was my only time I tried arm wrestling. So then, I don't know how long went by, like months and months and months. And then my friend Richie says, listen, I got a surprise for you. I'm going to take you somewhere. I want to take you somewhere. So we're going to go. And I'm like, okay, he says, it's going to be a road trip. But he goes, I'm uh -oh. taking you somewhere. So we get in the car and we drive and drive and drive. And hours are going by. I'm thinking like, where the heck are we going, right? So he's like, you know, he's, you know, and he says, okay, it's like another hour or whatever. So we keep going, keep going. And pulls off and we go to this thing. And there's this huge civic center. It's on a Saturday. Civic center, part packed with cars. I'm like, oh, cool. Like we're going to watch a concert. You know, yeah. I'm like, this is freaking awesome. You know. So I'm like, who are we going to see? He goes, he goes, I signed you up for the world championships arm wrestling. I go, you did what? He goes, I signed you. I said, are you 
fucking kidding me? But I said, bro, I've never arm wrestled that one guy, <laughs> one guy in my life. I go, he goes, yeah, but you killed him. I go, Richie, it's one guy. I don't even know if he was good. There's a lot and, of guys in there. <laughs> a lot of guys. So this is what he says to me. He goes, you're never going to know unless you try. And I'm like, going, oh my, oh my God. God. So this is like so classic. So of course, back then the eighties, I've got this yeah. through mesh cut off tank top, really tight, tight white, freaking jeans with holes in them right look like you know george michael wait you weren't prepared this no was i was not your prepared arm wrestling for this. outfit nothing dude okay. so yeah this is what i dressed up as. <laughs> so they had the world championships arm wrestling slash with a bodybuilder competition so they would go back and forth okay. between the matches and the bodybuilding okay so i'm in the weight class they weigh me i have to sign this freaking form and pay money or whatever so I'm like, what the fuck? So I live in Orange County, right? And they're like, name. I'm like, Kenny Johnson. They're like, profession. And I'm like, I had a modeling agency. So I just put model and they go, you know, where are you from? And I just said Orange County saying like fucking Garden Grove. I just put yeah. Hollywood, right? Just thinking I had to fill out a form and give it to them just so they technically had a form that I signed. Oh, no. So I'm going to be in it. So they get to my weight class and, you know, the place is packed with people. And I'm up on the stage in the side and in in that day i hear okay next to the stage from hollywood california <laughs> model kenny johnson <laughs> and i'm like what the fuck i'm looking at the lady like are you kidding me the place is booing and whistling and i wouldn't go out they're like kenny johnson they're whistling they're like killed the model and, and you've got me. your mesh on uh, yeah and i hadn't even oh, gone no. out yet and everyone's going to hey dude is that you i'm going I'm not going out there. And I keep saying, I'm not fucking going out no there. No way. And she's like, you have 60 seconds to get to the table or you're disqualified. And I'm sitting there and the more the clock goes down, she goes 10 seconds and the whistles and they're like, kill the fucking model and all this uh -huh. shit. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I don't give a fuck. And I just walked down on stage looking like I did and it got twice as long. Uh, uh, I was oh like, God. I was so embarrassed. Not streaming for blood. And I walked to the table and they were whistling. They were calling me like names they shouldn't have been calling. Uh -huh. that just, you know, yeah. whatever. You know, like, faggot, kill the model. He's gay. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. Like, this is just. And here I'm like trying to arm wrestle for the first time. So I just, just toned it out. I just heard nothing. It was like white noise to me. And I thought, again, I didn't know if I was going to be any good. So I ended up going through a bunch of rounds killing people just annihilating them just like that and then i got to whatever round it was and uh i hadn't lost yet and i went against this guy and i i had him like this far from being pinned and i held this guy down for like maybe two and a half three minutes three and a half and i started getting tired because i had not conditioned or trained for this yeah so i started getting tired so eventually this guy pulled me over pulled me over pulled me over and he beat me i'm like okay i suck i'm out and they're going no now you're in the loser's bracket and i'm like whatever so then i went through a bunch of guys and just annihilated them and i got to another guy where i i he stopped me this far from me pinning him and i was sitting there forever just like trying to get him i'm like what i can't get it and i got my arm was like rubber i eventually lost so i thought okay there i'm no good i can't i'm, I'm no good right so this australian guy comes over to me and he goes hey you know no i'm not gonna do this straight oxygen but he's like hey mate he goes have you ever arm wrestled before? And I'm like, no. He goes, well, I'm, I'm the Australian champion. And he goes, you took me down pretty fast and really well. And he goes, you know, those two guys you lost to? I go, yeah. He goes, you were this far from beating them. He goes, you had them down for like two or three minutes. And he goes, 
He goes, that was the number two guy in the world and the number five guy in the world. He oh. goes, and you're telling me you've never arm wrestled. I go, I've never arm wrestled. He goes, let me, let me mentor you, coach you. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not, I don't even like arm wrestling, but I go, I'll, I'll, I'll go. And if you want, you know, and he ended up being Heath Ledger's uncle. Oh, so, okay. which was really wow. weirdly bizarre. He became my best friend and he would get me ready for the world championships every year. And then the following year I was like, I think I want to say I was, uh, I could have been number five or number three in the world. Then I was stuck at number three in the world for a long time. Then okay. I bumped it up to number two in the world. And then I just thought, what am I doing? Cause I only did it to see how I do every year. It's not like I trained all year yeah. long and everyone else would like spend eight, 10 hours a day doing whatever to be an arm wrestler. Wow. So I felt bad about it. I'm like, you know, this is for them. Did this you is... did you get a jacket that said the model on it? No. no? Yeah, okay. that would be good. Oh, you, oh, you, you, want, that you want to make him gorgeous, go George? You want to make you gorgeous? Did you put on a tutu and go out there? Come on, I bro. I might as well have. I mean, if you would have listened to them, every time I came out, it was the same uh, thing. Kid whistles like I was a girl in the kill the fucking model. I was oh. just like... This is so funny. And the way I looked, I mean, I've got a picture of it. It was like, just, you know, I'm like, I don't blame them. I understand. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, but anyways, that's how I got into arm wrestling. And then, then I, you became number one. I gave it up for 15 years and I had done like, you know, the shield, saving grace, SOA, all, all these things. And then, um, I think 2012, I, I it had been 95 when I quit or stopped, you know, I was number two in the world. And I just thought, that's fine, whatever. Yeah. And then something happened and I thought, I wonder if I'm any good anymore. And I never properly trained with the team. I just had Neil, you know, this one guy. And so I went and found a team in Los Angeles or deep in the Valley. All these guys would come from like from San Diego or up North and they would train once a week. So I started going to these guys and there were some world champions in there and ex world champions and everything. So uh, I trained with them and then you know, my first year, 2010, I think I was number three in the world. And then the next year, number two. And then the next year, it was number one, number one. But what happened was, is like, I had been trying to get that. Mm -hmm. And I thought some great feeling was going to happen. Yeah. But when it happened, I, I felt absolutely nothing. I was beyond empty. Mm -hmm. And I it was the most empty feeling in the world. And I just remember being up there on the podium and they're putting it on. And I'm like... Oh, all this time for this i go really you know i'm like you know because i had no love or passion yeah for i know it and, and there was no feeling so like, i thought wah, well wah, it's done wah. forever yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i'll take it your speech i do super matches though like i'll get guys that hear that i'm an arm wrestler and they don't know i'm an actor and they're ex-world champions and they just talk shit about me and it goes on like oh fucking break tomorrow he's no he's a fucking hollywood actor man he's no fuck he's no chain he was never a champion i would kill him so you know i let it go on until i hear it too much and then i'm like you know what i'm ten thousand dollars i beat you within three seconds i'm gonna put you down and these guys are like so the match is on the arm wrestlers show up and you know, I, I've done it to two guys that just talk shit about me for so long that I finally, I'm like, this is pissing me off now. I don't even know who they are, but the fact that they've got an issue with me really rubbed me the wrong way. So both of them, you know, both of them I beat, you know, both of them I said, okay, 10 grand, you know, I put you down within three seconds. And, um, and so they're like, you, you know, they just didn't think I was strong. And I'm like, okay. It's no, like, you're I, strong. I can arm wrestle. That's I go, awesome. you know? Yeah, because I'm strong and he beat the shit out of me. <laughs> And I know I'm strong. 
Yeah. Well, that was, uh, that was a rough day. And it was, so in, front my, it was in front of my big brother, too. Ooh. <laughs> I was that's like, not nice damn thing. it. <laughs> this is not looking good for the Freeman clan. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, um, I think we're kind of uh, yeah. I think we we I I, I we gotta, we have to wrap. I told you, that's like it's gonna go by really mm-hmm. fast. It's gonna feel like it just flew by, man. Dude, thank I you. you, thank you. I love you too, man. I love you. You bro. know I that. I haven't met you, but thank you. Thank you. And thank thank you. you for coming on. Thank you for coming on. The whole thing. I'm no, sorry. you're supposed. That's what we wanted. You're the guest. You're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted it. If you didn't, it would have been awkward. Yeah, it'd be weird. <laughs> but that's what shows do well. <laughs> yes. You know, you know, awkward shows too, too. I just want to just thank you for coming on our show, man, because I know you don't do a lot of this stuff and I know mm-hmm. and you don't let a lot of people in and and uh, you gave us our trust, your trust today, which uh, I think is probably the most valuable thing mm-hmm. that you own because it's the thing that you protect so well. And uh, man, I, I can't say uh, thank you enough for coming to the show. Thank you for putting me in my first film. Yeah. Thank you for believing were, in me all this time. Yeah. And, you know, you're the one person who actually gave me their number and said, call me. We're going to do something. And I'll help you. We're going to work. And I called and you're like, yeah, it's Kenny. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then you did. And we did. And thank you. Uh, man, you, I can't say thank you. You got enough. infectious, beautiful energy about you. You know what I mean? It's, it's just all, like, and I feel like you're my soul brother. Well, we are. We're, you, we're definitely that. Yeah. And like, we'll have such similar lives growing up. Very, yeah. very similar. Mm-hmm. I think that we were, I think that people who kind of go through things like that and know each other. Attract people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I, like with Ro, and I'm not trying to, but I could, I, you know, I feel a kinship with Ro. She's no, like, because I, he's because, like, I really no, no, it's, Ro, it's, but... it's somebody who's lived. You can look at them and you know that they live, that they've oh. been through stuff, you know? And those are the people that I want to be around because mm-hmm. the worst people to be around are the ones who are just so happy and everything's so wonderful, you know, because they've never, because <laughs> well, they've maybe, never I had love any, that I to love, hide their pain. No, man. because they've never, because they've never had judging. anything happen. I'm not I love, I like, I I love being around I like you. you. I didn't know you went through all that pain. <laughs> yeah. You, like no, me, you, you, you didn't recognize that? You see when I was crying when we was talking that first well, time? Well, eventually, yeah. <laughs> I love this how, how break down like that. BD's also like I. I'm just love being around you guys because you guys grew up so miserably. <laughs> right <laughs> when you have a test in school in high school, and then the test came back and it and it has an F. You don't like just Listen, put it away. Okay. What you, the first thing that okay. you do is look around to see who else got an F. Okay, I that's might... what you do to make BD. To, to know that. You, you, I got recognized from TikTok yesterday. Don't let that fool you, okay? Wow. I was in remedial math, speech, I, <laughs> that whole kill the model. I was yeah. the school mascot. They said kill the gladiator. I know about paint, but I also, uh, that's why we're all in entertainment. Yeah, well, <laughs> right? hey, I I, know I, why, yeah. I'm in performing arts, and I went right? to school wearing, yeah. actually wearing, this is how I'd show up to school, ballet shoes. Oh. Leg warmer. <laughs> That's awesome. Jazz pants. <laughs> the, and uh-huh. and and like the the mesh yellow top. You know, you with guys a, with a gold mesh brothers with a gold <laughs> he- with a gold headband. That's how I went to school because I wanted to be Leroy from Fame. Oh my God, Leroy! He hit on me at this bar one night. Oh you never have to worry and about I, for me, Kenny. No, I no no, but I love him. Like, I remember thinking, oh my God, no, this guy's fame. He's following me around, and I was like, going, this is so awkward and then i had to quick leave and then all of a sudden years later 
he's staying at the same house with, with my friend that that mm -hmm. he was best friends with they had done fame together and leroy is in a bad place at that time yeah. but i just remember all those years later i thought because my first experience coming into hollywood to a bar was him following me around i had no idea you I'm had that wrestling around. thing going you know like that, was he's that, a wrestler I wonder, he, wrestler I wonder what he wrestled oh the arm okay like I, 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 the arm. I used to get managers doing that managers would pull up hey hey you want to you know i'm a manager you want to go back to my office and wrestle i'm like what, uh, what? Yeah. yeah i'd be like going no they you know you want to ride anywhere i'm like no i'm good man I'm like, yeah hey, man this is weird. I, I i yeah yeah i have i still have that happen it's like Man, there's all you know. There's always jobs at the post office. You know, what I'm saying? there's always jobs at the post office. Man, I am not gonna let you enter where no man shall go. It's just, I, I, it always surprises me because it always surprises me because I do not see myself as attractive in any kind of way. So I'm always flattered, you know. Right. But you know, I'm not gonna go. You know, but I'm always flattered. I'm just saying, you guys wore mesh. You wore we mesh. wore yeah, yeah. mesh. How did that? Yeah, so come on. How did that make you feel I'm, that we wore mesh? Well, I feel like you guys should be a wrestling team together and like reboot some. We're gonna kind of wrestle movie. you after the yeah, show. Don't don't even try. Uh, no, no, I know because I you're you. a badass. <laughs> <laughs> you're a badass. I don't fight fair. Oh, okay. okay, now we actually have to do it again. <laughs> we actually have, have to say we have to go. We want to keep. Okay. We want to keep if, the show going another couple hours. Ken, if you were never gonna see us again, this is our last question. What piece of advice would you give us? I was never going to see you again. Yeah, yeah. You were never going to see us again, but you had to give us a piece of advice that we could take for the rest of our lives, and that would help us. Ah, uh, you know, <laughs> just be loyal. That's good. That's it. I that's mean, good. as corny as that sounds. No, nah, there's no corny. Be loyal, you know, to whoever and to whatever you take on, be loyal to it, you know, mm. because truth tellers are, 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 are important in this world, you know it's yeah you know we need it we need honest truth tellers you know mm. so i i'm like be loyal loyal to the people loyal to what you do just be loyal to the process like be loyal to it just be be i don't know if that sounds weird but it yeah. doesn't no, it's it's great. Sound, it sounds uh, good and be loyal refreshing. to the process yeah That's i know great. it's a comedy show but there's no, no comedy it, there's it, no comedy in this no, freaking hour. it is it oh. is it, this show this show is whatever it is yeah when when we more. sit down whatever like wherever in the air and they do the things with the ratings like when um jennifer lawrence got on they saw you know that you know uh whatever her name is the singer and then they get to their thing and they're like Oh, oh! This is this is how you rate it. <laughs> the viewership was for you. Yeah. Like, so that's yeah. not good. They go no. <laughs> all right, like, all right. Well, I, I, guys, I, I have to. We got to say good night. I know that you hate us saying good night. I actually hate us having to say good night now. Kenny Johnson is my uh, my friend, a mentor, an amazing actor. He's every he's week so on funny. SWAT. Make sure you watch mm -hmm. because he is friggin amazing and it's a great show so uh as we always say be good to the person on your left be good to the person on your right but be very good to the person in the middle because that person is, is you Aww. god bless good night everybody peace bye boy